I'm going to do a Monday night at my house, long day of work because we've worked hard. Maybe it's Monday night football. Any Dallas Cowboy fans in the house? Maybe. I know we're in Texas. We're in Texas. Y'all be careful. Sometimes we cheer more for the Cowboys than God in God's house. I don't know what that, what that is all about. No, no, we love the Cowboys. So I'll get home on a Monday night, you know, and here's my dreaded words. I'm like, hey, I want to watch, you know, maybe I want to watch the football game. You know, my favorite movies, I don't know what your favorite movies are. Maybe I want to watch Mission Impossible. I like the James Bond movies. Maybe you're a Fast and Furious kind of guy or gal, okay? But then my wife wants to hit me with the dreaded words. These are the last words that I want to hear on a Monday night when we have some time, okay? These are the, these are the dreaded words. What are we going to say? What are we going to say? She's like, do you want to watch the Hallmark movie? Actually, those are the last words that I wanted to hear. Uh, a Hallmark movie, you know? Uh, li- lifetime. Somebody said Lifetime. That might be a, a little bit different. They, that, that's dramatic stuff. That's really dramatic over there. But she's hit me with the Hallmark movie, and I was like, actually, that's one of the last things I want to do right now. But you know what? Trying to be a good husband, trying to be a good husband, we'll end up on the couch with the Snow Bride or something like that, some crazy name like that. And I was like, we already know what's going to happen. You know, the big city guy is going to be the small town girl. He's going to be a jerk and blah, blah. Then somehow he's going to save the farm and they're going to fall in love and a kiss at the end. You know what I mean? It's going to be like that. Right? Right? And then we're going to watch it again. But instead of being in Montana, it's in Colorado with the same actors or New York City. Okay? But here, let me tell you this, though. You know what? It's good, though, husbands, wives to actually share the activities that your, your spouse enjoys. That, that's a boss move. That's a major key right there, okay? So I'll be on the couch with my wife, right? But then she wants to do this. So I'll lock in. I'll get locked in. I'll enjoy the snow bride, you know? But then she does this. She looks over. Are you crying? Like, are you crying? I was like, there are no tears coming down my eyes. They may be welling up, maybe watery. I'm engaged. This is very moving and touching. I like this love story. But then you're going to judge me. You're the reason that I'm here. You know, you are the reason. So do not judge me. You know, young men, I'm giving you a glimpse of your future. You know, but I want to get to this because nowadays I'll be like, you want to catch that homework with me? I was like, you know, I enjoy them a bit more now. Um, But love stories aren't like Hallmark movies, are they? Life really isn't a fairy tale. But I will tell you that some of the greatest love stories, if we look at Boaz and Ruth, are actually rooted in hardship. You know, they're, they're rooted in trials. That doesn't mean that God's best is yet to come. Because if we look at the story of Boaz and Ruth, when we open up that book, We see Ruth and Naomi, and let me just briefly remind you, just very quickly, Naomi has just lost her husband. Ruth has just lost her husband. Naomi had even lost her sons. Incredible, incredible trial and tragedy and loss. And Naomi wasn't in a good place, not in a good place at all. But she was like, I'm going to go home to Bethlehem. But in such a bad place and so bitter, she's like, I am going home. And she tells Ruth, do not come with me. I have lost everything. I have lost my husband, therefore I have lost my resources. I've lost my sons. I have lost time. I have lost hope. I'm not even of value to you because now I no longer even have my sons to offer to you. I have nothing. And I felt led in this moment 
to show you in Proverbs what it says this. It, it says this. It says, the tongue can bring life and the tongue can bring death. Okay? What are you speaking over your life? Because Naomi, this, this great God love story almost didn't even get off the ground. Because of the way in which Naomi was speaking to herself. Because you know what? The devil can't touch your talents, can't touch everything that he is giving you. But you know what the devil wants? He wants this. He wants this right here. He wants your mind. He wants to talk you out of it. He wants to talk you out of your faith, out of your belief in yourself, out of the things of God. Okay? Major key right here. If it is not of God, let it go. If it is not of God, you have permission to let it go. Okay? Because the devil is coming after your mind. So what do I say? Very practical advice. Speak God's verses and scripture over your life. Are you every single morning, do you have a verse of the day coming up on your YouVersion Bible app? Or do you have a Bible plan? Do you have something where you are pouring in the word of God? Are you listening to worship music where God's wisdom and love and forgiveness is being poured into you? Because I wake up with a different kind of tune playing in my head sometimes. And many times it's not bringing life, it's actually bringing death. I'm taking this so seriously that you will find me right now. There's a paper in my office. I'm scribbling verses, 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 verses. You know why? Because I'm going to have a wall of verses on my wall. Because I need to be taking in that every day. God's love, what he speaks over my life. Because then I will reflect out of the heart the mouth speaks. What are you speaking over your life? Because thank God... Ruth injects life into this situation. Ruth says this in a bold move. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God, Ruth says. Wherever you die, I will die, and I will be buried. Ruth shows great faith in the face of circumstances where she could have made every decision not to go. She's like, I am going back to Bethlehem with you despite the circumstances. I am in loss. You are in loss. I am going with you. She exudes great loyalty. She exudes great boldness in faith. Can it be said when the chips are down, when the hand that I am dealt is not advantageous to me, that I am still exercising great boldness and faith and choosing to believe that we serve and believe in a faithful God. When everything in my purview doesn't necessarily look that way. Because she not only does that, and actually I want to just side note really quick to all the husbands and wives. I pray that we are exuding that same loyalty and faithfulness and boldness of love to our spouses. Not just on Valentine's Day, not just on Mother's Day, but what about Tuesday at 7 o'clock when we're watching Hallmark? Because I had to tell my wife, like, you know what, she was going to, last night we were going to be here, you know, with lots of people and cameras and lights and whatever and online, but I needed to make sure that even though she was going to be at home with our baby, that, that she wasn't just praying over me, but that I was praying over her. That it was not just me that, that had a moment with God that mattered, that her moments at home with our baby girl, those matter just as much. Are we speaking that over our loved ones? Are we speaking that over our husbands and our wives? The same loyalty and boldness that Ruth exuded in that moment. She also exudes great boldness 
And I know this has got to be for somebody. And her willingness to turn away from the past. Because she said, no, we're going back to Bethlehem. I know you're imploring me not to. I'm choosing to believe. I'm choosing to serve the same God. We are going back to Bethlehem. Ruth literally lived out this verse that we see in Philippians. Y'all read it with me. Don't read it with me. I'll read it to you. You just take it in. It says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. This is the Ruth move right here, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We have the tendencies of, as human beings, I wanted to stay in my past and in my circumstance. Have we been like Ruth and have we boldly turned away from our past? Because sometimes I want to stay right here. But sometimes what we need to do is acknowledge, you know what? Yes, this is my mistakes. Yes, this is my mess. Yes, that was my sin. Yes, I acted in such a way that I am not proud of. That would be all of us. And I know that, you know what? In this moment, we may not get to our exact vision of our life, but we can do this in this moment. We can do this in this moment. Today can be a turning point. And much like Ruth and Naomi, who were in their present situation in Moab, you know what they did? They turned and they took a step. Forgetting the past and looking to what lies ahead. You can do that in this moment. Because that was the beginning of a God story that we are still talking about right now. That was the beginning of a God story that God thought was so powerful that he gave a whole book in the Bible to it. Could we be holding up, could we just have a failure to launch because we simply don't want to let go of our past? Because this can be your turning point. This Sunday, this moment, this moment with God. Because this is not just an 1130 service. This is a moment with God. So Ruth goes back to Bethlehem with Naomi and they arrive there. Okay, once again, they don't have any resources, so they huddle up. And you know what Ruth does? She's already exuded great faithfulness and boldness and saying, I'm going to go with you. Your God will be my God. But she's like, we don't have any resources. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to work. I'm going to get to work. I'm not a paid worker, but I know there's these fields of grain that are being harvested, and this is what I'm going to do. She's like, I'm going to go behind the paid workers, you know, and they're going to be pulling the grain. They're going to be pulling the wheat. But I know that they're going to leave something behind. There will be scraps. There will be leftovers. And I'm going to go behind them. I'm going to pick them up. And I'm, going to, I'm going to pick them up. I'm going to pick them up so that we can have food, so that we could have provision. You know what I see in that moment? I see humility. I see a woman that is willing to work hard, even in the face of a tough circumstance. Let me tell you this. Humility is a magnet to the things of God because it is so Christ-like. Remember, Jesus was equal with our Heavenly Father God, yet he came down to earth to take on the same skin as us and to be a servant. The definition of humility, and that's what Ruth was. And when you are humble and hard work, you are a magnet to the blessings of God. So it is, no, it is no surprise that when Ruth is there taking that grain, that guess what? God's provision shows up through the face of Boaz. Because this is where we meet Boaz. And Boaz says, I see that, I see that woman out in the distance. So he asks his paid worker, he asks his foreman, who is that woman over there? 
And it says this. She's a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes to rest and shelter. And so then Boaz goes to this hard-working, humble woman and says, this is your field. This is your field. Don't go to any other fields. You see that water well of mine? That is your water well. And I'm going to tell all these paid workers not to mess with you. And you know what else I'm going to do? And then he goes over to one of the paid workers and says, you see that grain over there? Bundle it up. You see this grain right here? Bundle it up. And I want you to go ahead and put that grain over there where she is working. Because this is an exponential amount that she could not even gather on her own. But we are going to bless her. Because she's going to work and she's going to come down that grain line and all of those bundles of grain are going to be there. It is funny where God meets us at the place of humility and hard work. Can I just speak straight English with you guys? Hard work works. Very simple. Hard work works. It's in Scripture. It says this in Colossians. This is like a greatest hits. I promise you, just going through Boaz and Ruth is literally a greatest hits compilation of the wisdom of God. Can we find the Ruth in Boaz in ourselves? It says this in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It's not just if you are a pastor, work for the Lord. If you were at Toyota, work for the Lord. If you are at Merrill Lynch, work for the Lord. If you own a barbershop, work for the Lord. If you are in, 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 in education, work for the Lord. And are you working at what you do with all of your heart? It says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving, no matter what you may do, because it says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. And I want to tell you guys, we all have these dream moments. We have these dream things that we, we want to see happen in our lives, that we want to become. But I need to let y'all know, it's really what you do in this moment it's what you do in this moment right now that actually leads to your dream moment. It's actually what you do in this moment that will lead you or not lead you to your dream moment. So what are we doing in this moment? Are we being caught being humble and hardworking? Because that is for God's exponential provision as it was with Ruth. That's the intersection where you meet God. What could be said of us? Life will give you what you deserve. Maybe not initially, but eventually. I've seen that play out. Boaz, while rich and influential, we see him, he is in the fields. Boaz, we could say, despite already being rich and influential, was a working investor. He was out among the fields with his paid workers. That is how he identified even Ruth, calling him a working investor, what are you investing in in your life? How are you investing your financial resources? How are you investing your personal resources of time? Because here's the truth of the matter. If you don't have a vision for your life, if you don't have a vision for your financial life, you're just going to give it away. You will give away your financial resources. You will give away your time. You will give away your efforts. I'm speaking from personal experience. 
okay? Because the younger version of me was giving it away to leisure, to, to entertainment. There were times, you know, I referenced Jay-Z because there were times where I knew more Jay-Z verses than biblical verses. That's not a badge of honor because there, there are no spiritual or godly rewards with that. So how are you spending your time? I'm not saying leisure, entertainment is in, in and of itself a bad thing. But if you're giving too much to TikTok, if you're giving too much to Instagram, if you're giving too much to Facebook, if you're giving too much to YouTube, I would tell you, you may be giving away your life, but you may also be giving away your dream. And that's too high of a price to pay. So I hope you will take this moment and say, no, could I be dream? Could I be streaming instead of dreaming? Disney Plus, Apple TV, Netflix. It's not an equal trade. To be mindful of what are you investing in? Are, you, are we even financially? Are we talking mutual funds? Are we talking real estate? Are we looking towards that? Or are we going to just be working all our lives and not work towards the retirement? Boaz, while rich and influential, was a working investor. Could we be investing, and I just felt led, could we be investing in the wrong relationships? Because at that same time, when I was overly invested in the things of leisure and entertainment, I was also invested in the wrong relationships. If someone is willing to walk away from you, and I'm not talking about our married people here, if someone is willing to walk away with you without care, without love, without empathy, if they're able to walk away with you total disregard, you should probably let them walk. Who are your people? Who is your squad? Who is your team? That is who you become. What relationships are you invested in? And there is a leader, there is a minister, there is an entrepreneur that needs to hear this right here. Many times in life, you do not go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. Many times in life, you do not go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team. Somebody in here most likely needs a mentor. I have people that I speak to for, for health reasons. I have people that I speak to for financial reasons. I have a mentor in ministry. All I have done is I've grown closer to God. Even as I gain more wisdom, the wisdom around me also grows. Because I'll also tell you this, for those who are team leaders, you become better, you get incrementally better. You and your team get better, you get exponentially better. There's a leader who needs to embrace that truth so that you can have your dream. What are you investing in? I also want to give you one more secret. This is a secret that is not so secret, but what, it's just so crazy because the church doesn't always want to embrace this. Us being the church, a super secret to Boaz's success. I'm going to give you 2 Corinthians first because Boaz recognized this. It says this, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. It says God is the one who provides it. Boaz realized that. 
It says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Okay. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Guys, when we meet Boaz, all he's doing is saying that water well, giving it away. That extra grain, giving it away. You, if you read the text, he's actually giving away blessings and prayer to all of those around him, including Ruth. Giving, giving, giving. That extra grain, oh, because God has given me increase, I am giving that to Ruth. Boaz was a giver, a giver, a giver. Boaz was generous. And here's the truth of the matter is, you know what follows your, your generosity? God's blessings. But yet, when it comes to the financial matters, for some reason, we don't want those blessings. That, that, that now we've gone too far. I want, this, I want these other, this other part of the Bible, but not this one. But when I say God's blessings will follow your generosity, please listen to God's word. This is what it says in Luke. It says, Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive. It says, your gift will return to you in full. Oh, you mean like maybe blessed with land, maybe blessed with a, a loving relationship, which we will see. I feel like he doubles down on the blessing here. As you're reading it there, it says, your gift will return to you in full. No, but it's going to be pressed down. It's going to be shaken together to make room for more. It's going to be running over and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. But for some reason in the church... We act like God is trying to get something from us. When it literally says in the text, give and you will receive. In fact, the blessing is going to be more than what you can handle. The truth of the matter is he's actually trying to get something to you. But yeah, we, we, we're just reading the scripture, that's all. That's just what the scripture says. But we as the church, if you look at the numbers, it's startling are the number of us who do not claim that. It is startling to me that we proclaim faith, but we don't live it out. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's humility or hard work or generosity or boldness in faith or proclaiming your love and loyalty to your wife, but I know God is preaching in this place. I'm just praying that you grab it. I'm just praying that you grab it. Let's keep on moving. Let's keep on moving. God, God still has some things to do. So we find out that Ruth, instructed by Naomi, makes her intentions clear to Boaz. And she will actually go. Boaz is working on the threshing floor after a long day of work. And, and Naomi says, go lay at his feet. Go lay at his feet. Okay? Making her intentions clear that Ruth's telling Boaz, I want to be yours. I want to marry you. Okay? In that moment, what does Boaz do? A rich and influential man has a woman laying at his feet in the middle of the night. What happens next? You know what Boaz says? He's like, you are more loyal than I even realize once he realizes who, that's, this is Ruth. You are a virtuous woman. You are a woman of noble character. He blesses her with those words while she is at his feet. Boaz understands the intentions of Ruth. And you know what Boaz does? Not only does he honor her, in that moment, not only does he bless her in that moment, but he acts with great integrity because he says, I understand your intentions, but per the custom of the law, there is someone in our family that actually has the rightful, the rightful right to obtain the land of your family and actually is in front of me to have the opportunity to marry you. 
He does not take advantage of the situation. Instead, he chooses honor and he chooses integrity. See, integrity is when I, I can, it's easy for me to talk on this stage. True integrity in my life, in your life, is when what I may say in public matches what I do in private. When what I do when no one is looking, that's true integrity. You see, because my, 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 my spiritual life, my ministry life, should match my family life. And it should match my work life. That it shouldn't be, oh, in this compartment, I act a certain way. When I'm with my boys at work, I act a certain way. When with my girls, I act a certain way. It should not be compartmentalized. It should be, God should be integral to everything that you do. Integrated into every part of your life. That whether I'm at work or whether I'm at church, that you would get the same Dante because God is a driving force of every part of my life. Whether it is Sunday morning at 11, whatever it may be, or whether it is Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Applebee's, that you would get the same person because God is the driving force of everything that I do and the guiding light of everything that I am. That is what it is like to have a life of integrity, and that is what we are all called to. What could be said of us when no one is looking? Or could it be that our public life doesn't actually match our private life? Because Boaz is who, he, who they thought he was. Are we? Are we, church? Because I want to tell you this. When you live a life of integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't live a life of integrity... Nothing else matters. In this moment, I want to invite you, say what it says in the Psalms 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. It says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. It says, point out anything in me that offends you. Could there be something in our lives that God would find offensive? Full disclosure, I think we could all say at moments in our lives and seasons in our life, there are things that God would find offensive. So there is no judgment here. But how may God be speaking to you? Because we see the building blocks of this love story are faithfulness to one another. It's humility. It's hard work. It's generosity. It's honor and love for one another. It's integrity when no one is looking. That those were the building blocks that literally set up the story where now Boaz would get permission to marry Ruth. And they would have a son named Obed. Therefore redeeming the family that then Naomi, who had lost her sons and who had lost her husband, would now have a boy to care for. And a young boy that would bring her love and that would bring her joy. And that that boy Obed would become the grandfather of King David of Israel. And then from that, from King David, the lineage of Jesus. Can you imagine that? This love story wasn't even supposed to happen. 
this God story wasn't supposed to happen. If Naomi would have had it her way at the very, very beginning where she said, don't come with me. But step by step, <laughs> God bless our children. God bless our children. This love story was great, it was rooted in great tragedy and trial. But I want to let you know that God can use your hardships, your trial, to bring restoration. It says this in Ephesians, and I pray you embrace this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. I love that verse because it was so hard for me to embrace. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. What if Ruth would not have claimed that? when the chips were down, when the circumstances were dire, when all she could see was a trial and hardship, but that she claimed that because someone needs to hear this, I need to let you know that in every scar that life brings and that life leaves, that he's still working on a masterpiece. That if you were to claim his word, that in every scar that life leaves, God is still working on a masterpiece in you. But what are you building your life story on? Could I say that I'm using for my God story, am I bringing humility and then stacking hard work and putting generosity and putting honor and integrity because we all want the beautiful God story. But what are we building with? Are we building with the things of God? Because that'll change everything. Because there was a time in my life that I was not building with those things. And that I felt like I literally stood not in a story built by God, but that I was standing in rubble in the destruction and the disaster that my own decisions created. And we have a God that loves us enough to love us in that moment, but to not keep us in that moment. At the beginning of this series, not knowing that we would be here in this moment, the beginning of the series that says and is titled, God has not forgotten you. I wanted to honor and give glory to our God because I remember that moment standing in the rubble of my life. And I decided that there was gonna be a turning point and I showed up and I sat in a seat just like that. And I wanted to give glory to God for what he had done, so I posted this. And I put this picture. I was blessed with a beautiful baby girl this year. I just love her so much. But there was a time in my life where I couldn't have imagined life looking like this, us being in a moment like this. And I just felt led to share the caption. I really don't post a lot at all. But to give glory to our God and give glory to his love, I wrote this 
attached to that picture because when I see my girl, I see a masterpiece. Just as she is, no more, no less, everything that she is. And it reminds me how God sees you. And I wrote this. I said, this picture is evidence of God's love to me. In my life, I've been abundantly blessed. And I've also been hurt by my own decisions. When I came back to God, when I came back to God at Church Unlimited as a young man, parts of me were broken. And I could only imagine what it would look like to be a husband, to be a father, to be a pastor. But over time, God lovingly put me back together at his house. And today, through the love of Jesus, I am very blessed to have the opportunity to live out my dreams. I promise that God has not forgotten you because he did not forget me. Church Unlimited, I'm going to ask that you please bow your head and close your eyes. There is someone in this moment that may not know the love of Jesus that says, I have a plan for you. You are a masterpiece. And there are plans long ago that I have for you. I just need you to ask you, I just need you to ask me into your heart. I need you to receive my love. I am right here. Jesus is waiting for someone right now to simply ask him into their heart. So I want to give you that opportunity because this is for everyone. That is why it is so simple. So Church Unlimited, whether you're at Padre Island, whether you're in San Antonio, Texas, Stone Oak, Rockport, Fulton, Church Unlimited online, I'm going to ask that you please say this prayer as an act of encouragement to someone who may be saying it for the very first time that is in one of our campuses that is online. Maybe you're sitting in your living room. I implore you out of love to ask Jesus into your heart. Please repeat after me, dear Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, I want to ask us to across all of our campuses, please keep your head bowed because we're just going to have a moment of celebration. Please keep your eyes closed because there are those who have asked Jesus Christ into the heart for the very, very first time. I'm asking something courageous of you because it is beautiful to do something courageous for yourself. And if you just said that prayer, whether you were online, whether you were in San Antonio, Rockport, Padre Island, Rodfield, Church Limited Broadcast, I'm going to ask you, if you just said that prayer, whether it be in your heart, whether it be out loud, and you said it for the very first time, I'm going to ask that you boldly Raise your hand. There is nobody looking but our pastors. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand, giving glory to God, to the one that loves you, to the one that says you are a masterpiece and I have a plan. So that you keep it raised. That if you are on online, that you would say, hand raised, hand raised. That you would put it in the chat, hand raised, hand 
raised, no matter where you may be, we want to celebrate because you have received the gift of salvation. You now have the love of Jesus inside you, and with that comes the gifts of heaven, which means everything, and that is for eternity. So thank you for keeping your hands up. I'm going to pray over you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every heart and soul and mind that you have spoken to. I pray that we claim your promises, that we claim your word, and that we boldly live by faith in you, that we live your word out so we can experience your best in this earth and then in heaven. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Let's give it up for what God has done.